morning. Welcome to our weekly 30-minute podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover various topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a team of wonderful producers who want to make each episode something that will be enjoyable and informative. The Almighty God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. During today's episode, we will discuss the importance of higher education for saved and sanctified youth in our secular society. The elephant in the room is, can our youth remain committed to God on college campuses? Joining me today for uh, today's episodes are Associate Pastor Corey Lyndon Bellamy Sr., Lady Latrice Wallace Bellamy, Elder Maurice and Lady Satoya Clanton, and Sister Chardonnay Muhammad. I'll be back with today's episode. Well, welcome producers and thanks for joining me for today's exciting episode. I hope that everybody is well. Thank you. We are well. Praise the Lord. Doing well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, you all are joining me today. Um, and for those who don't know that um, you all are producers and editors for uh, our podcast episodes and you have experience in all of the topics that we're going to talk about on today. And um, I'm sure that this is going to be a blessing to families and for our young people who are going off to college. We're going to open with um, the question of what factors should students and parents consider we're making a college choice. Satoya, what is um, what is your knowledge about this? Praise the Lord. Um, well, I um, attended two universities, um, one right after I graduated high school. I was Cornell University. And then the second one after I was married and, and with children, and that was Troy University. And uh, a lot of the factors, they were different with where I was in life. Um, when I went Prior to graduating from high school, I was really looking for a place that I could learn and grow, be independent, and really fulfill the dreams that I had to become a doctor. You know, kids, they, they have a plan in place, and a lot of those plans include being a lawyer or a doctor or mm-hmm. um, some type of scientist. And um, in, in choosing the university, um, Cornell University, um, that was my top school. Um, I had some others that I, I um, considered, but in looking at that university, one of the main things that I really keyed in on was their medical program and the different colleges and courses that they offered to pre-med students. Um, I also looked at the location with it being out of state. It was a, an additional cost to my parents, but thankfully we had FAFSA and we qualified for quite a bit of funding but outside of it being out of state, one of the things that I, I also looked for was a church in the mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And in all of those factors, out of my top three, Cornell just stood out because we had a church in the organization that was right there. It was in Ithaca, New York. 
So I had a support system sort of built in already. And just looking at what the university had to offer with it being somewhat of a melting pot for any type of student to come and learn anything that the campus had to offer. I saw people from all walks of life, people from all around the world that I would have had the opportunity to meet and and learn with if I stayed in state there in Alabama. So a lot of different things went into play. Mm -hmm. Yes. So going out of state was definitely uh, beneficial to you? I think so, because it helped me to grow up really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Would you would would you think would you say to uh, the the parents and children who are looking for college that they should probably consider out of state first or what factors determine whether or not they should be in state or out of state? I don't think they should look for an out-of-state college to start because that definitely has a monetary factor tied to it. Mm-hmm. The maturity level of their kids, um, that's something that needs to come into play because um, just looking at my children and, and seeing what weaknesses and strengths they have, I wouldn't sit in one completely out-of-state <laughs> <laughs> because that's got more room to grow. <laughs> yeah, you want to keep them as close to home as possible, right? Keep them as close to home and where Maybe not necessarily out of state, but they're still within the state, but they're maybe two or three hours away so that they have a sense of independence. They feel like they're away and they can learn and grow up and mature into adulthood, but also have a quick route back home if they need to get some support. Now, you mentioned about a church, finding a church um, that um, that you could attend. Was this a church that had to be of your faith denomination or you were you looking for something that would just come close to what you believe? Oh, no, it was definitely what what do I believe if they're not believing Jesus is the son of God, if they don't have the same standard that I grew up with and that I was used to. then that was something that I was not willing to entertain. And um, with the church there in Ithaca being within the organization that we attended, Mm -hmm. it was an easy decision for me. I was pretty much lift from Alabama, move up to New York and pop right back into the church um, and find a seat in the church and be a part. I want to ask you, and I I know that uh, the other producers are listening to your answers, but I would like to hear this from you and maybe from Pastor Corey, because he went out of state to college is that a deal breaker if you can't find a church that believes what you believe? Is that a deal breaker as it relates to what what institution you attend? I don't know if it'll be a deal breaker because the, um, at the same time, you know, you want to find a place where you can worship, but there's also that way where you can get back to your assembly. For me, my dad was the pastor, so I could call in and just listen into the services or mm-hmm. we could record the services and I can get tapes or CDs that way. Mm-hmm. It, it was definitely, I wanted to have a place where I can walk in and worship with everyone and fellowship, but it wasn't one of those things where if the church wasn't there, I didn't have any other option. I, I always had some plan B or C in place in case I needed to find somewhere to go. Okay. Pastor Corey, was that a deal breaker for you? Praise Lord Bishop. When I came to Kentucky, church was not the first thing that was on my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I remember. <laughs> so it, it definitely was not a deal breaker. I believe that when a student is thinking about going to school, 
They should have an idea of what they want to major in. Mm -hmm. And that particular school should have a strong academic program in that area. Once I arrived in Kentucky, I prayed and God sent me in the direction of an apostolic church where I had a strong support group. Okay, fantastic. Today, we have technology, we have all types of social media, Mm -hmm. and what was a gap is no longer a gap. So anyone wanting to attend service can do so, even if it's live-streamed. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Marie and I have children who have attended college and some who are currently attending college, working on their master's and doctorate degrees. It is very expensive to go to these institutions. I have no idea what it costs to get a bachelor's, master's, Uh, or doctorate degree, a lot of times when I'm talking to our young people, I'll ask, how far are you in debt? (laughs) How far far are you in debt? And some of them, it's not too bad. Others, yeah, it's going to be rough for them when they graduate. Lady Latrice, what is the current average cost of tuition at a four-year institution? Praise the Lord, Bishop. According to U.S. News, the current rate of a private institution is $43,775. For out-of-state, it's $28,238. And for in-state, $11,631. And that's per year. You know, I remember Gwen, Lady Gwen, and the kids talking about all these different forms that had to be completed in in order to try to get every scholarship that they they could get and i am not a paper person i don't like filling out forms it drives me crazy lady gwen is an expert at it she has the patience for it she worked for the government for years so she enjoys doing that kind of thing Filling out these forms for uh, scholarships, what is it, a, a FAFSA, student loans, yeah. tuition, college, all of this stuff, It um, is that overwhelming? <laughs> it's very overwhelming, but if you don't put in the work, you don't get paid. I mean, you can seek a scholarship for $25. Seek a lot of scholarships. Uh, many. The more you get, the more money you don't have to pay. Like I said, get as many as you can. If you have a 3.5 GPA or above, there's so many scholarships you can get. My daughter went to college on a scholarship. I had put in the work for her to go into her undergrad. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to pay anything. Matter of fact, she got paid wow. for going. Mm. And then she went on for her grad school. She did an internship. They paid. She was able to pay her uh, housing, you know, with the money that she received. So, you know, you have to put in the work if you want to get paid. And as far as that FAFSA is concerned, you want to get your application in as soon as possible. They open up October 1st. You put that 
application in, the first it's first come, first serve. The first one that gets theirs in, they, the more money you're able to get. So you want to get that in as soon as possible. Um, and the closing, you want to meet that deadline, June 30th. Now, is it easier to get scholarships or like a community college versus maybe a state college or out-of-state college, or is it pretty much the same routine procedure? It's pretty much the same routine and procedure. Mm-hmm. But I want to say, if at all possible, stay away from loans. Yeah. So many people get in so much debt with student loans. And the rates for student loans is 4.99%. For the graduate level, it's 6.54% and 7.54% for unsubsidized or parent loans. Now, these loans don't go away. They stay with you until you die. <laughs> <laughs> now, you and Pastor Corey attended, what was it, Kentucky State? Yes, sir. So when you all graduated, were you overhead in student loan debt or were you okay? I was okay. For me, I had, like Lady Satoya, I had scholarships and FAFSA for the beginning. Mm-hmm my first two years. And when I went to Kentucky State, because I was a mother by that time, I was able to get a scholarship and my job also paid for some of my tuition. Okay. Pastor Corey, were you, received, how, how, were, how were you when you, uh, when you graduated financially? I received student loans as well as some scholarships in my junior and senior year. Uh, Jesus said, the poor will be with you always. <laughs> yes, he and, did. Uh, I just read that the I other day. On, <laughs> if I can add on, I'll say student loans as well. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop, I also want to make a uh, comment about, according to the National Center for Education Statistics, said in 1980, the cost of tuition increased 180% My God. since the pandemic. Those, that cost has you know, been... Um, stabilized, but it's still unmanageable for many students. And uh, if you want to reduce your costs in school, it's good to take dual credit courses when you're a junior or senior. That way, those dual credits will count towards your college experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, another way is to um, take your prerequisites at a community college instead of going straight to a university. Okay. Well, my heart goes out to these beautiful young people who are working hard to get their degrees. And then, you know, I've heard several of them and one of our daughters mentioned about that her student loan was going to be due soon. And they were trying, she was trying to come up with some kind of creative way to to, uh, delay paying that loan back. But like you said, they're with you for life and you've got to pay them back. Lady Satoya, can you help us to identify some of the issues for a smooth transition from high school to college? Because that's a major that's a major step for our young people. And I know some of them excited to get out of the house, especially if they're going out of state or even if it's in state. And if it's like several hours from home, they're just. I think looking forward to, to having some independence, but what else can they do and can parents do to help them to have a smooth transition? All of what you just said is definitely true. That independence part is 
probably one of the biggest pieces to that puzzle. And with being independent, with going off to school, whether it's local or um, in-state or out-of-state, responsibility is probably number one. And I think with parents who are involved with their kids and active in their lives on a daily basis, they're able to instill in them the standards and the integrity and being able to do what they need to do when it needs to be done. They can set that standard and put that as a core value in their kids from the beginning. And by the time they get to where they are about to graduate from school, they already know, okay, well, I have to do this, I have to do that if I'm going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And for me, my um, dad, he was the pastor, but he was also a, a military sergeant. So discipline was definitely in the family, right? <laughs> discipline was there. <laughs> well, there was no, no slacking off. There was no <laughs> short changing. It was A's and B's. And if we got to see that was okay, you know, but he set the standard, you know, the natural part with being in the military, he, he showed us how to be disciplined and how to be responsible and, you know, if we say we're going to do something, we, we do what we need to do. And with the spiritual aspect, it was just amplified. So being responsible, you're on your own once you get out to college. You are, when I went to Cornell, I was excited to get out the house. I couldn't wait to leave. I went all, like, all the way out to New York. <laughs> trying to get <laughs> and you wouldn't believe that the person I was then is not who I am today. And like I said, with being out of state, it forced me to grow up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> with, with being a independent, I had to learn how to ask for help when I needed it. That's and that important. Was something in, That's important. Yes, yeah. In hindsight, I didn't ask for a lot of help because I felt like I knew it all. Mm -hmm. You know, I was 18, you know, I was a smart kid and I, you know, I excelled in school. Pretty much anything I, I could do or put my mind to, I could get it done. And so going in with that mentality, it was one of those, I don't need help. I can do it on my own. And when I got there and I saw that whole big campus with all those kids swarming around, I, I realized <laughs> it's okay to say, I don't know, <laughs> and to say, I need some help. And one of the cool things that I think parents can investigate with their students is looking into some, some pre-fall programs. And the cool thing about Cornell was they targeted the um, the students that may have come from poor demographics. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll admit we didn't have all the money in the world. Mm -hmm. I was one of those kids. Mm -hmm. And then they also targeted minorities. And so they had the pre-freshman summer program. I don't know if it's still the way it is today, but back then we ended up at uh, the campus prior to the actual fall season. So we got a chance to see the campus at a very slow pace in comparison to having 24, 25,000 students at once. I think there were maybe 5,000 students at most on mm -hmm. campus during the summer. Okay. And during that time, I was able to establish a routine to get to know where things were on the campus and get to meet some of the professors and, and establish friendships with students who had the same major as me, who had the same interests as me. And those friend groups helped from when the fall season came. I was able to lean on some of those folks for um, like notes or study groups. And then office hours, I was able to link up with um, my peers and say, hey, let's go to this this office hour. Let's get into this study group and we'll knock this out. So responsibility, that's probably the, the one thing I will harp on the most okay. when it comes transitioning out. Mm -hmm. And also go to class, just go to class. <laughs> I will admit, 
while I was there, I skipped a few classes and my grades reflected it. Yeah. So you go to class, you're paying for it. Somehow, you know, you have your scholarships and all that, but the people who give you the scholarship, they've invested that money into you. So do them a solid, go to your classes, be responsible. And also when you get to your, your classes, Sometimes it's okay to switch the class. You may not like the professor. They may be mm-hmm. dry. Yeah. They may have um, a class that's scheduled at an off time. Mm-hmm. You have to know what works for you. Yeah. You're not stuck to what you had to do in, in elementary, middle, and high school. Once you're in college, you choose when your classes are. You choose what, what teachers you want if there are more than one teacher that does a class. And there's some websites out there like ratemyprofessors.com. You can research the school. What is, it, what is it called? What is it called? Rate my professor. <laughs> yes, rate my professor. Oh, so they have you grades can... for the professors out there, huh? Oh yes, and that's how <laughs> uh, when I ended up at Troy University, the reputation was there for some of the professors already, but I wanted to see for myself, and it was true. Yeah, some students would go and they would just blast the bad professors, and and they you get to see for yourself. Okay, they they were right; they weren't kidding. Yeah, and then there's some professors I, I looked up one before um, this episode and he still has a 5.0 even five six years after i i was there so find a way to research your classes and your professors and see what works well for your schedule if you're a night owl don't schedule early morning classes yeah that's that, gonna help mm-hmm. go fulfill you yeah uh, just go with your flow go with your pace know what your strengths and weaknesses are and be responsible do they have like, um, I know in high school, they have counselors, they have advisors. So when it comes to finding classes and the times and et cetera, they have someone to kind of uh, guide you along through this thing. How important is that when you're transitioning from high school to college? Do they have like someone on on staff at the college to help students? Yes. So it, with my experience at Cornell, during the summer program, we were linked to an advisor that would stay with us throughout the freshman year, mm-hmm. in addition to the summertime. And when I tell you she stayed on me to stay in class, okay. to make sure my courses were together, to make sure that I was matching out and choosing courses that were based on my major, so that by the time I graduated, I had all the credits that I needed. I didn't have to go and, and scramble for additional financial aid because I missed something or I took the wrong course and I should have taken the one over here. Yeah. So, and it, it may be where if you already know what major you're going to go into, you can reach out to if, if it's a big university, they may have colleges within on, on each campus. And you can look at the advisors. And if you have one already assigned, you can reach out and say, hey, I'm going to be there in the fall. I just want to see what I need to do to prepare. And you can also go to your high school guidance counselor, too, and they'll be able to give you resources on what to do, what to prepare as you're heading out to college. Fantastic. Part of that um, transition is that checklist, uh, getting all the things that they need to be away to college. My God, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to be very transparent and definitely honest on this one. I am so glad that I don't have to load up a van and walk up four flights of stairs or wait on elevators and carts in order to get my kids to their dormitory. Those things kind of drove me crazy, but um, I guess it was fun for them, but it wore me out and I'm, I'm too old for that now. There's a lot of things that students need when they're going off to college. What are some of those things, Lady Latrice, 
Well, some of the students don't realize, but I would say take at least one or two business or professional outfits for okay. interviews or social events. They don't think about that. They get their, their slides, their Crocs, <laughs> the tennis <laughs> shoes. <laughs> it looks like they're going to, par- to the park instead of the class. <laughs> I'm like what's exactly. wrong with what's wrong with these kids? <laughs> <laughs> right. And another thing that's important is making sure that they have the linen they need, mm-hmm. sheets and towels. Um, they might want to invest in a loofah instead of a, a washcloth because they dry out easily the washcloth. And okay. you don't want to style a towel in your room. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're sharing sharing a room with your yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And I would say also the feet are bad enough. You don't need the towel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, some of them manage that way. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Be sure to have plenty of cleaning supplies. Sanitize your quarters because, you know, somebody was in there before you. They may have had somebody clean it, but, you know, you know, it's clean when you do it yourself. And know that you're sharing a space with others. So you want to make sure that you keep your. You have your own toiletries and your own cleaning supplies for the restroom because especially if you're a guy, mm-hmm. mm, well, girls too, they're bad too. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> you want to make sure, you, you know, you want to clean before and after mm-hmm. yourself. Another thing, they want to make sure that they have computer headphones for when they're trying to study, to eliminate the noise around them that their roommate or People in the hall may be making noise. You may need an adapter. Some older universities for the outlets, they're not up to code, if you will. Yeah. So you want to make sure you have the right outlet uh, adapter. Also, um, you want a surge protector and mm-hmm, an, mm-hmm. a USB extended cord for mm-hmm. when you have to go across the room for to try to get hooked up to the internet or, yeah. you know, it's not wireless. So those things they want to consider. And I also want to say that having a television is not a necessity. They feel like they have to have the big 55-inch screen television. It's not It's not a necessity. Well, the, the rooms I've seen, if you had a 55-inch uh, screen, that would just take up one wall. <laughs> exactly. Half the room. <laughs> Half the room, I know. <laughs> Unless you hang it from the and, ceiling, you know, and you're looking up and watching TV while you're in the bed. <laughs> I saw it with my own eyes. No, you didn't. <laughs> I did. Oh my a god! Student had their had their television taking up half of his space, and he didn't care long as he had his video game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like you said, the dorm rooms are very small. Yeah. So you want to minimize what you bring. You so it's possible that if you can talk to your roommate before you get there, or when you get there, and compromise on what you know, each one will bring Mm -hmm. to the table so you can share some of those things. So you will have space. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. another thing I want to say is going to the university is to get an education, to learn and get your experience on campus life. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Good stuff. Brought back, uh, brought back a lot of, um, a lot of memories, and I'm still traumatized from those days. <laughs> We've got a couple of minutes left for this episode. Uh, Lady Satoya does 
your child need a pre-made meal plan when going into the um, into college? Yes, I say yes, because mm-hmm. one of the things you don't want your kid to think about is how am I going to eat? Yeah. And that, that when you're already dealing with courses and, and trying to get from one place to the other, the next thing you want to think about, or the last thing you want to think about rather, is what am I going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Now, snacks, you know, you may have something in your room, but you want to be able to have um, one thing off your child's list that they don't have to worry about. And what my parents did back then was they went ahead and um, paid for my plan and they made sure it was appropriate to what my normal eating habits would be. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would eat a, three meals a day. So they gave me a plan that had um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I didn't have to worry about it. And, and especially as a kid with little to no money, no job, I'm just at school. It was awesome to go into the uh, dining hall of my choice swipe my car, get my meal and go sit down and eat and then run off to my next class. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> they had all types of choices that I could pick from. And it, when I think back on it, some of the choices I wouldn't have thought would be available to me, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up, we, um, like I said, we, we weren't poor, poor, but we knew we, we didn't have it. So to, to have that level of exposure and to have access to all those options, it's, it's also a treat for some kids that don't have that at home. Yeah. So get the meal plan. And and if your kid is not eating all of the meals and you know they're not going to eat eat, um, eat all the meals, if you see how they eat at home, don't go full-blown out the biggest, baddest meal plan ever because at the end of the school year, um, it may have changed since. But for me, I was trying to swipe my card and buy all I could to – get that money going because by the time the school year, the semester was over, I still had a bucket and it was not transferred <laughs> to the next. <laughs> so how much does, how much does a prepaid meal cost meal plan cost? So I actually did not look that up, but I want to say it back then it was probably maybe 1500 for oh the, the semester school year. I may have that inflated, but wow. It was it was worth it. I'll say that. <laughs> Just not it. to go hungry. Yeah. Just not to go hungry, not to be worried about that in addition to trying to save your pennies and, and make sure you have transportation off campus if you want to do something. Uh, for me, I worked off campus and work study and I had to get the bus. I ended up getting a bus pass and that was one less thing to worry about. So things like that, parents uh, investigate see what's in the area, see what's on campus. And if it's affordable to you, make sure your child has that type of access. You don't want them to be away from you. Even if they're just downtown, um, you don't want that to be a concern for them. Uh, Just help to take that load off because they're already overwhelmed with it being a huge campus. It may be huge to them. Um, A lot of different uh, responsibilities that they have. It's just one less thing you have to worry about. Fantastic. Pastor Court, let's take a minute or two and talk about the concern that a lot of um, apostolic parents have, and that is their children forgetting about holiness and godliness when they're on the college campus. Just going, as the old folk used to say, going buck wild on their on their own. Um, You've shared with us your testimony when you left Chicago and went to Kentucky to went to Kentucky 
um, that the church really wasn't the in your top five of things to be concerned about. But now you're a parent um, and you have children who attend college. How important is this to you? It's very important, Bishop. Being saved can be challenging for the average person mm -hmm. or individuals, in this case, students who are rooted and grounded in the apostles' doctrine, they will stay faithful to God. They will remember their apostolic background. My recommendation to parents is when you take your children to school, find an apostolic church. Mm -hmm. Take them to the church, introduce them to that local pastor. In many cases, there are individuals and families who will take your child in and show them love as if they are their own. But again, it's necessary for you to take that step and taking them to church, introducing them to the pastor, uh, attending that first service with them. So they'll know where to go. They'll know who to reach out to for spiritual support and that, in that um, college community. Fantastic. Thank you, Pastor Corey. Friends, this is Bishop Michael Bellamy. I hope you Enjoy our podcast and subscribe to our Facebook page. You'll find our weekly 30-minute podcast on many of your favorite platforms. Can you please tell your family and friends to listen in as well? We would love also to hear from you. Please feel free to connect with us on Facebook and via email at theelephant2022 at gmail.com.